All right, uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, I guess uh, before we start with our Father, I said I was going to try to say this prayer that Vince says, which is, um, uh, do you guys know it's something like, do you guys know the exact words that he says before the men's roof? About the Holy Spirit coming down upon us to give us the right words, fill yeah. us with your heart, in our hearts, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, dear Holy Spirit, be with us in this room today. Uh, uh, to help guide us so that everything we say and hear and take into our hearts is good. Uh, amen. Amen. Uh, we'll say in our Father, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, so here's the gospel reading for tomorrow. It's a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Um, uh, after John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. Is that the right gospel reading? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's at the beginning of Mark, I think. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. Yeah. I Okay, sorry, I was getting confused because I remember we were talking maybe like last week, it was from the Gospel of John and it was Yeah, you switched over. It was the same. It's really it's a continuation which is a different perspective on what happened. Oh, okay. Did I understand that correctly, that that's why they said that Andrew was the first apostle? Because that's the way it was stated in that gospel? Well, that was last week, and that's why I got confused, is because in the gospel last week, it was this account read from the gospel of John, and in that, Andrew is the first one named as, as following him. Uh, in John's gospel? Yes. Okay, and this is Mark's gospel this week. Yeah, and in this one... It's slightly different in that it says that Jesus saw Simon and his brother Andrew at the same time. Okay. All but right. in the Gospel of John, I think it was Andrew and another, and another disciple. Okay. But, All right. But you did make a very good point that we were talking about discipleship and who was the first disciple. And you had mentioned the Blessed Mother yeah. being the first disciple because she, she is the first to have been contacted by Gabe, through Gabriel uh, and I guess asked by Gabriel to if she wanted to accept the position or not. Yeah, well, when I when I said that, I also thought about um, like uh, uh, when when Jesus is uh, you know growing up, like I think when, like for example, a time in the temple in Jerusalem where Mary and Joseph find him, and and uh, and they kind of like puzzle over what he what he says. Um, and I just imagine, and also in like the wedding at Cana where where. Um, uh, yeah, it's like she already knows. She, she says, "Just trust Jesus. You know, do whatever He tells you." So she's already been His disciple for a while, and I, I, that's how I interpret it, how I feel like it. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I could, I could see a, 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 a not an argument, but a, a point for that. I don't. The whole when I said that it was the context of uh, Jeopardy. Though I'm not sure if Jeopardy would have accepted my answer. I, I would have followed it. <laughs> Yeah, because they probably looked at it as out of the 12 apostles. Yeah, and also I think, I could be wrong, but I think that the category of that question in was like the Gospel of John or something, or it was specific, the question was specific. Oh, specific to, to a certain John. Gospel, and yeah. as you said, last week John said, did say Andrew, yeah. this week with Mark, it was Simon and, Pete, and, Simon and, and Andrew. Andrew, Andrew and Simon, and then they saw, I guess, James and, and, and John, and John yeah. and Zebedee, because... They, they, they and they were all four of them were, were fishermen. They were they were 
So I guess when Jesus was going, he said, oh, I got four right here. Boom. It's funny how maybe I read it before and I forgot about it, but where he says, um, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Um, I used to play this game called like the writing game. And, and we would pick a topic and we would just write about, you know, whatever came to mind. We'd get a group of people together, we'd pick a topic, we'd write about it, and then we would, um, you could also draw about it if you wanted to. And then we would compare all of our different, like, you know, creations. And, um, and one time I was playing and the topic was fishing and I drew a drawing of, uh, or I, somehow I, I, I went to that phrase also, fishers of men, and I thought, oh, that's kind of clever, you know. Uh, um, but little did I, I guess I just forgot that that's, you know, those little, the words of Jesus. So this Sunday is, uh, is ordinary time, yep. I believe. Um, so, so this is the, uh, this is the year, I'm not sure what the letter is, A, B, or C, but it's the, in, in ordinary time and for most of the Sundays of this year, this church year, the Gospel of Mark will be, um, read his, uh, account of, uh, of the, uh, public ministry. <clears throat> so... Yeah, I think uh, we're in the B cycle or whatever. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great gospel. It really gets you to think about the fact that Christ chose these men, and He's just showing us by example what uh, we need to do as Christians. Uh, we need to be disciples also. Yep, we have to reach out and and tell others about about Him. Uh, quick story yesterday I went to donate blood I go to a place in Jersey and the nurse has a sweatshirt on and it says y'all need Jesus okay so that was my opening and we got talking uh, first I debated to myself should I say anything not say anything because you never know what uh, I, I should say where people are in terms of their faith journey it just so happens that she's a daughter of a preacher and they're Pentecostal, and I, I don't know much about them, but we got talking about that, and uh, she grew up in youth ministry, listening to sermons that were extremely long, you know, compared to our sermons during a Mass, and um, it was really cool uh, to, to hear, you know, what Pentecostals do, um, and then it, it, was, it was interesting because I started talking to her about Catholicism, and I could tell that she knows close to nothing about Catholicism. That was interesting uh, because I, I used the word mass and she said, well, what's a mass? <laughs> so, so I went into detail in terms of what a mass is and it goes all the way back to when Christ celebrated the, uh, the Eucharist at the Last Supper. And I, I told her that that's when it all began for, for us as Catholics. And I didn't get into... All the other denominations where they started around the 15, 1600. I didn't, did not want to go there because it was a really good conversation about our faith. It was really neat. Yeah, yeah a lot of the, uh, just a brief reference to the inauguration. Um, the first thing, you know, the first thing that was done uh, Wednesday morning, this past uh, January 20th, was they, there was a, there was a mass at St. Matthew the Apostle Church. And um, and Joe Biden invited members of both the Democratic the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, you know, many of whom are uh, you know uh, um, religious or not religious and belong to uh, probably a, a variety of Protestant faiths. And so I don't think they broadcast any anything from inside the uh, mass. I don't think they that's not, not normally done anyway. Um Although they did show more of what was happening with, with Trump when he went with to the St. John's Church across the street from the White House, where the controversy took place. But um, anyway, the um, that was the first. That was an example of him trying to reach out to both parties. And they had a. It was a full. It wasn't just a service. It was a full fledged uh, mass from start mm -hmm. to finish. So is that his church then, the president? That's going to be where he goes. Yeah, because okay. he's a regular attendee, of, evidently of uh, of. Uh, you know, of, of Sunday Mass, him and, him and his wife, and, uh, you know, they go, uh, 
on a regular basis, you know, pretty much every Sunday, I believe. Yeah, I think one, one thing that just came to mind, John, when you were saying that is, uh, so you guys know, uh, the Social Concerns Committee at St. John's, we're working on this one little item for Lent, which is in several weeks, and it's, it's the Corporal Works of Mercy, and we're doing something different this year, where we hope it gets approved. It's, it's not anybody going to a place physically because of what we're still experiencing with the pandemic. Right. And so we came up with the idea of let's, let's give a lot of um, really websites where people can go to, uh, to reach out and help others and um, incorporate the Corporate Works of Mercy. And I don't have these memorized, so I'll just read them to you so it's on the recording. Uh, the Corporate Works of Mercy are actually from Matthew 25. It's uh, verses 31 to 45. And if you look at that passage in Scripture you'll see the following seven corporal works of mercy. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the prisoners, bury the dead, and give alms to the poor. So when you were speaking a few minutes ago, I'm thinking our former president is, I guess, down in Florida, and he saw that a bunch of our, I'm not sure the exact name, the reserves, or um, there were a bunch where they were at the inauguration, and then they were told to go into this parking garage to stay overnight. I'm like, really? <laughs> and so I thought, isn't there a better place they can go? Then I saw in the news, which I don't think is well publicized, that our former president invited every single one of them to be a guest at one of his uh, places that he owns. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Now, now these troops were not, I don't think they're homeless, but they really didn't have a place to go. And I thought it was pretty cool. Um, that's being Christ-like, you know, reaching out to see what needs, uh, in this case, a group of people had the time and say, listen, I'm going to accommodate. I mean, it's about 2,000 of them. I don't know if they took it up, um, took up his offer, but I thought it was pretty cool. So if it gets approved, look out for um, the Corporate Works of Mercy with a, a lot of cool websites to, uh, to go to. Yeah, hopefully uh, by this time next year, things will be back to normal. But for the time being, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of different uh, social ministries have to uh, figure out other ways of helping. And um, like during, uh, for the Martin Luther King Day on Monday, this past Monday on the 18th, there were a lot of virtual goings on that designed to help people so that the so contact would be minimized. Um, but um, this type of... Uh, Pandemic is, uh, you know, it's basically once once every century. Last time was 1918, this right. time, a hundred years later, and um, it just affects things so, you know, so massively and uh, so broadly. It's hard to, uh, people are doing the best they can to adapt. But uh, getting back to the gospel, though, it is, uh, it's, it's interesting how you have people with, you know, ordinary names or, or called, and they have an ordinary profession, and, um, you know, and that, uh, that suggests that uh, Jesus calls uh, everyone, you know, wherever they are in life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a good idea for, uh, for uh, the person, him or her, to, uh, to respond mm -hmm. and um, try to um, follow the way of Jesus. So. Yeah, and I guess, you know, one thing, um, when... Uh, and the priest gives a homily about this one frequently. Uh, it's, you know, like they, uh, they abandoned their nets and followed him. They dropped everything and, and followed him, you know, and then focused totally, totally on him. That's another takeaway from it. Um, yeah, I've always, I've always thought about that because would, would I be able to do that, like, in this day and age? Like, just leave my family, like, my possessions, uh, Maybe because times were different back then. I don't know. I've always wondered about that. Well, How I, did they do that? I heard uh, on Catholic Answer, someone called in and they said, so these fish, these fishermen, they were they were young. What about their fathers? Why, why didn't, why didn't did Jesus call their fathers? Right. And their fathers were like, no, I'm <laughs> staying with my business or something like that. That's true. And uh, I think um, the answer to that was that, um, uh, you know, Jimmy Aiken gave an interesting answer. He said, you know, one, we don't know that Jesus called them. Maybe Jesus, you know, he can look into the hearts of everyone. And also he knows a bunch of stuff. So it's like these people were specifically called. It wasn't like he was going out and, right. and he didn't, uh, um, let's see. Yeah. You know, Jesus said to them, you know, specifically. 
come after me and I'll make you fishers of men. So, so maybe, you know, Jesus, he knew that the fathers, you know, um, had a different type of mission and that they were, or vocation, uh, and that they were filling it. And, and, and so, uh, in your case, you are a father. So, you know, maybe you do have that as your vocation. Um, it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One sermon I heard once was, had to do with the fact that, um, that it would be irresponsible for a person who has a family or has um, people to take care of to you know to give up give away all the money and and not leave your family provided for because you're trying to help people who are you know without possessions and without things and um, and so it, it, it would be contradictory to solving problem solving a problem if you were to put your family in that same situation mm-hmm. so you take your uh, you know what you do. What you should do is you should take your um, your uh, extra resources and try to give those away, and try to help people who are less fortunate. And um, that's a uh, good way of looking at it, I think. Just the, to be responsible to uh, you know to love yourself means you take care of yourself and your family, and then in loving God, you're trying to take care of others. So. Um, I've always thought, I've always imagined with regard to the fishing, um, fishermen that like if, if it was a family business for, uh, for, uh, for Simon and, and Andrew, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they, um, there were others involved in the business that just basically picked up the, they were selected and others were involved in this that picked up the slack. It could have been, for example, Simon Peter's sons. I think he was in his mid forties when he was called, I believe. I think he was an older person, so he had, um, I think he had children, or so they say, maybe sons who were in their uh, late teens, early 20s, and they could have, you know, filled the role of becoming fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. So, uh, so therefore, his parents, if they were still alive, would be um, supported by the, um, the grandkids while they were fishing and, uh, you know, feeding and, you know, feeding the family and the uh, villagers, while Peter and uh, Andrew were involved with um, starting off, um, starting Christianity in the public ministry of Jesus. So. There's, a, there's one thing that just came to mind when you were talking about that. You, there's one thing you mentioned, John, about, about giving to others, and this got me thinking about this Corporate Works of Mercy calendar, um, and we have... A scripture passage, just one or two sentences for each uh, works of mercy. And this one's from Luke 18, uh, verse 22. There is still one thing left for you. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. That's pretty cool. I mean, hard to do, but I think pretty cool. Uh, It goes back to, uh, I haven't mentioned this one in a while, but Denzel Washington gave a a speech at a college graduation, one thing that resonated with me, which will always stick with me, is he said, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Never. That makes sense. Uh, I don't think many people do that, but I think it's one thing we need to strive to do is because other people need the stuff that I think we have that Maybe we have too much of stuff. I don't know, whether it be money or possessions or... Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a modern spin on the when parable where Jesus talks about the guy who you know, stored a bunch of stuff in his barn and then the guy, and then like an angel or someone told him, you're going to die tomorrow, what were you doing? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, and there are other parables in, you know, in, in other gospel... Uh, Readings that talk about the uh, you know the man who be, built built the grain bins to store up all the grain all the food, and it was going to spoil anyway because there was too much in the uh, in the silo, but he ended up being um, he ended up being taken, while he thought he had everything in order with his possessions and with the things that he had, for him and his family, and then um, what you said before may have been a reference to the, the there was a young man who climbed a tree. To get closer to Jesus, mm-hmm. to figure out how to, um, you know, to attain salvation, and he had a lot of things, a lot of money, a lot of possessions, and he was. Uh, Jesus said, "To be truly happy, you said you have to sell everything and, um, you know, become one of my followers." And 
and he was unable to uh, to do that. Um, so I guess uh, I guess you know certain lay people do that. You know they they just they use their resources to keep them and their family going, and then they try to give the rest away, try to help others out, as opposed to buying you know cars and all these meaningless possessions. And then if you um, and then and then there are people who are involved in like living communally. You know they live in a group that was very common, I guess, in the '60s and '70s. You know communes and and you know there were some negative connotations with that, but but there were some um, you know some good that came from that too. And then um, and then you have the religious people who um, who basically. Um, like the example of my son, I mean, he, he lives in a very, very simple room, even in the rectory. There's not much around. It's just basically so he can focus on God and what he's ministering as, as a priest. So having a, lot of, uh, having a lot of possessions and a lot of things, it creates discord and it, it also creates noise, not in the sense of you know, too, being too loud, but just in the sense of having too much to distract you. And, um, you know, it was interesting last week at the men's group that the, the, the one man, um, the man who talked about, you know, not being interested in watching any, any of the um, yeah, any sports, <laughs> you know, he wants to be totally focused on God and he doesn't want to, he, he basically said, I'm, I'm not going to worship these uh, football heroes because, uh, you know, they're the ones who need me, I don't, I don't need them. And so he's taking that approach. Um, so... So there's a happy medium between one extreme and the other, but, you know. Yeah, I, kind of related to that, um, I have a tendency to go balls to the wall, you know, 100% uh, doing stuff, and that's like kind of uh, um, my attitude and stuff. So I've thought many times that I'm just, I'm giving everything away, I'm going to get, I'm just going to, I'm not going to uh, do anything, I'm just going to uh, uh, focus on Jesus, but like when I really stop and like me meditate uh, about that, it's like, like kind of like I was saying about the vocations. Like you have to kind of like you know, uh, I, you know, in this case he he called them, and so it's like a, uh, uh, it's like you're, I pray to try to discern the will of God, for, you know, for, as it is in my specific case of you know what I'm supposed to do with well, everything he's get with the life and and talents and stuff that he's given me. And so uh, um, one piece of advice for, you know, trying to find that happy medium of, uh, you know, from, you know, either extreme uh, that I heard one time, again, this is from Catholic Answers, was that um, uh, Jimmy Aiken said that, you know, um, if you think God's asking you to do something, uh, you know, um, I think St. Paul said to test the spirits and stuff like that. So, um, he said, he said, you know, God's almighty, you know, if he wants you to do something, it, it tends to happen, you know, or, 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 and, and, and so, um, it's kind of, I kind of take that approach where it's like, uh, we're like, okay, God, um, I, 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 uh, I, you know, start off the, you know, morning with a, uh, or I, I, you know, I give my life to you, you know, everything that happens this day, everything's, everything's yours, and I kind of have that attitude, and I, and I, and I wait to see if, um, if opportunities present themselves to me to make good on that or or to, or to do that, um, yeah. I think the one thing that helps with what you're talking about in terms of priorities is just to give you guys an idea. A couple of things I started uh, in the past several weeks. Uh, it's through a church in Maryland, Timonia, Maryland. It's called Church of the Nativity. And they do these things called uh, seven-week series. And the one they're doing now, uh, they have over 70 small groups. About half are online, half are in person, you know, social distancing and the mass and all that stuff. Now, I'm going by what they have online. They might have more than that, but um, I looked at a bunch, and uh, I was interested in like eight or nine of them, and I picked the one that I felt fit me the most. So I joined that one, and... It's really neat. We meet every Monday night, 7 to 8, and it's just like our men's face sharing group at St. John's. But the focus right now is, is how you spend your time. You know, do you waste time here and there? Um, what do you do in the morning, afternoon, and night? And what's really neat with a group of about 9 or 10 guys focusing on how we use our time 
it relates to what you just mentioned about um, if you really look at how you spend your time each and every day, each and every week, month and year, if, if you, and I've done this uh, a bunch of times, is you look at what your priorities are. And one of our priorities as Christians should be what the gospel says is discipleship. So in terms of my refocusing my time, whether it be with family, myself, my career, uh, or our faith, which is Catholicism and Christianity, is when you refocus how you spend your day, one of the things you probably will focus on after reading this gospel is how am I going to reach out and and spread the word to others who might be on the one end where they don't really know Jesus Christ at all, or maybe they're on the other end like you and me, where we're pretty much, I hope, fired up about our faith, where you might meet some people in the middle. So that's the one thing I want to throw out there is if you guys can find a small group, whether it's with your church or some other church, there's many out there where um, you have things like that. And then to go one step further, that same church, once again called Church of the Nativity, they're doing a, uh, a webinar series. The first one was this past Wednesday. It's only an hour every Wednesday for four weeks. And you literally sit down and you think about what your game plan is for the rest of your life. I've never done it. I mean, I don't think many people do that. But if you think about it, uh, we plan for so many things in life. We plan maybe the night before uh, a work day is we plan some things where we live to get ready for the next work day. We plan... Uh, to go maybe on a vacation. We plan to maybe go visit a friend. We plan this, we plan that, but do we really plan for the rest of our life? Um, our lives can be taken from us later today. We don't know that. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I hope it's way down the road for all of us because I feel like we as individuals and as a group can do many good things on this on this planet. But uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I would, I would recommend that to anybody is... Um, you know, try to think about what your game plan is for the rest of your life because I believe, and I think all of us here believe, that one of our goals for our life is to do what we need to do for ourselves and others in order to get to heaven. I mean, that should be one of our goals as Christians is, is to get, and, and, and there's plenty in Scripture which tells you what heaven is all about. And what you need to do. There's so many things that Christ told uh, his disciples um, in the four Gospels. What all of us need to do to, uh, to get there to be with him for all of eternity. All right, I'm done. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to uh, have that plan. Um, I guess if you live the uh, perfect life, life you could have, uh, you know, you, you know exactly what you were going to do from day to day, week to week, year to year. Um, most people don't attain that fully. And then there, there's a case of like, um, you know, you have the, uh, I, I always think of St. Benedict who founded uh, the, the Benedictine way of life. And he evidently, you know, he was lived in the 5th century, I believe. He struggled with uh, mental illness his, pretty much his entire life. Mm -hmm. So he's the patron saint of people who uh, have, have experienced some sort of... Um, you know, mental illness, and, uh, you know, but yet his, his way of life, despite those, um, despite those uh, um, restrictions on him from, from having the mental illness, he was able to do great things. Um, you know, the Benedictine monasteries, and that carried, that carried civilization through the Dark Ages up to the uh, uh, medieval times, and, um, and the legacy of uh, you know what he accomplished, despite so he could have uh, he could have curled up into a ball and just given up, but he chose not to and tried to um, you know. So some people just have it all together, you know. They don't have any any kind of um, mental restriction or illness, and others have significant ones. And then I guess as long as you never give up, you know that could be defined as uh, success. So. So like the apostles all, all left, um, all abandoned Jesus when he was going to the crucifixion, and then John returned to the foot of the cross. Yeah. You know, after Pentecost Sunday, eventually they all, you know, spread the church. You know, the uh, the different apostolic churches that were founded, and they all ended up uh, dying for the faith. 
So eventually, they um, out of that uh, that failure of abandoning Christ at the, uh, you know, when the crucifixion took place, ultimately they did gain victory and gain uh, the attainment of uh, salvation. So it's it's a lifelong struggle. It's a work in progress, as they say. It's something, John. When you were just talking, something came to mind in terms of each of us as individuals. Uh, all of us, of course, you know, we know we're born at some point uh, in history, and I believe that all of us were given some gift, or it could be more than one gift. Right. And um, what came to mind, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I'll just spell it. Uh, his first name is Nick, and his last name. Sorry, just my internet thing on my phone. His last name is V-U-J-I-C-I-C. So Nick, V-U-J-I-C-I-C. And his first book, I believe, is called Life Without Limits. Um, I mean, we all have struggles. We all have tough times, you know, throughout our lives. Some of us maybe every day, um, every so often. But um, he was born without arms and without legs. And... Uh, by the time he was about 10 or 11, maybe 12, um, he did try to commit suicide twice. And you're probably thinking, how in the world um, will a kid um, with no arms and no legs, how, how can a person like that try to commit suicide? Basically, when his mom was giving him a, a bath one time, he told his mom to go off and he tried to pretty much flip himself upside down and drown himself. That's pretty much, and it didn't happen. So if you want to see... What incredible things a person can do where he was born without any arms and legs. Um, he's married. I believe he has one child right now. He's written several books. He's a renowned speaker all throughout the world uh, in terms of the struggles that he's gone through. But, um, yeah, that just came to mind, John, when you were talking about that in terms of, you know, tough times we might have in life. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You know, human beings, if they uh, are capable of incredible things, and, uh, you know, I think a lot about, about this, you know, he's, he's, he's about 35 years old, his name is Alex Hanold, and he's that, that, that free-form uh, rock climber where he climbs up, you know, these sheer cliffs without any harness, and he just, he, he's fearless, <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, it's pretty, pretty much the most amazing thing I've ever, uh, you know, just seen or been aware of. You know, doing that. I used to think it was Philippe Petit walking on the <laughs> the, 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 right. the, the wire between the two World Trade Centers, but I think what Alex Hennel did in climbing El Capitan in Yosemite uh, out in California, I mean, that's just uh, just amazing that he did that. And he just seems to be like a regular all shucks type of person, and uh, it's 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 amazing. He's like you know thirty five or thirty six, and. Um, you know, he knows what he's doing, so he's right. not taking, in his mind, he's not taking any risks. But then you have other people who are doing um, other things, you know, following the way of Jesus and trying to help others. And, um, you know, there have been many, there have been famous actresses and people, there's a woman who was involved in promoting um, a Coldplay, who are just completely left that lifestyle and are now doing stuff to help, you know, feed the hungry in these areas of the world where there's starvation and war and, and misery and um, and just trying to, just basically giving up on the material things and focusing their entire existence on helping people to uh, have a better life. So, you know, if you have that faith or that will within you to do that, you can accomplish yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I so wish sometimes, it, it probably won't happen, but I so wish sometimes to... Not like some of the uh, disciples, the first ones, where they dropped everything. I would love to have my family, where I live, and all that. But uh, teaching is fun. I enjoy it very much. I probably am making a difference in the lives of some of the kids. Not all, but some. But I would like to just drop the teaching thing and then just do what you just said. Is I know it's not going to earn income, like traveling to some country, even here in the United States, to help somebody. Whether it be build a build a home for them, or you know help them with their field with you know growing crops, whatever it might be, but I don't know. It just sounds very cool to do, but you know we have to earn an income and pay for stuff and pay bills and all. That's just part of life. 
Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, as long as you the the caveat is you have to uh, if you have a if you have a family or if you have responsibilities to to siblings or or your your family and friends, you always have to make sure that 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 those needs are taken care of, and then with the extra time and the extra resources, then you can focus on um, as opposed to like going overboard on like um, leisure activities or or watching television or or um, getting involved in other kinds of activities. If you do activities that are that help other people um, have a better life or live a better life, then um, then you're you're going to end up feeling better about yourself, mm -hmm. and you're going to end up helping helping somebody have a better life. So um, that's the uh, balancing act that has to uh, yeah. take place, and that was part of the. Um, you know, during the three-year ministry of Jesus, if you read all the Gospels, all of the teaching that Jesus did, and all, all of the examples of the parables, they, they pretty much all described, you know, the way to uh, to live a, uh, a well-balanced, uh, fulfilling uh, life. You know, it's all it's all in there in some shape, way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. Also, kind of related to that, um, in a lot of the parables, I feel like. Uh, or they use this like agricultural uh, thing about like bearing fruit, and it's like it's usually a slow process, and, and and so it makes me think in this in this reading when uh, the first uh, uh, apostles um, you know dropped everything to follow him. I wonder like you know what uh, had been happening in their lives leading up to that point. Like I think a couple of them, or maybe all four, those ones mentioned had already been following John the Baptist, and uh, so. Uh, um, like in, in some sense it, it may not have been as uh, you know as drastic as we're talking about about maybe they were already predisposed ready to drop everything to follow Jesus they just were waiting for him to ask them and, and then he came and he asked them uh, because and to me that would make more sense in thinking the way that, that you know I, I, I think God works when I see it in like you know in other humans and in nature and stuff it's usually it's like a slow progression of, of things is in fact anything where you'd want to have like a an extreme jump from one thing to the other is usually not of God that's my opinion because uh, usually usually God works in like a slower in a slow a much slower way yeah. yeah one thing just came to mind when you said about um, maybe they just needed to be asked about that uh, Right away, I thought about uh, all of us here, each one of us can be leaders with different things in life, whatever that, that might be. But uh, at church, at St. John's sometimes, uh, you'll get somebody where you invite them to volunteer for whatever it might be. Mark, can I use you as, as an example? Uh, Mark, if you guys don't know this, loves to cook, not just for a small group of people, but for a large number of people. And I vividly remember asking Mark several years ago, I guess it was about three or four years ago, if he wanted to uh, cook fish for the St. John's Lenten fish fry. And uh, if, if I had not asked him, um, he would not have had that opportunity, number one. Number two, uh, Mark and I had a great time. Uh, sure did. From remembering back... Uh, it was one of the best times that, that we've had, like, doing something at St. John's um, of all the things that I've done. And what was cool for me was him saying yes to the invitation and also uh, expressing to me that same evening when we were cooking fish, like, I don't know how many we cooked, but a ton of it, yeah, <laughs> deep frying in the, uh, in the school kitchen. Uh, but he expressed to me that, that, that this was one of the best times that, that he had just cooking fish. So, so sometimes it comes down to us being leaders, reaching out and just inviting somebody, you know, because you guys probably know this. If, if you read one of Matthew Kelly's books, he founded dynamiccatholic.com. I forget which book it was. But according to the uh, research that he and others did, less than 10% at any Catholic church in the United States are the ones who actually do almost everything. Well, we can consider them leaders, which means the other 90-some percent 
I'm guessing, are followers. And so if you have that many followers at a given church, based upon their data, then those leaders have to go and reach out to those people who are followers, and, and then maybe in time those followers will become leaders. So... Interesting, interesting, Tom. That that was really a happy time to cook. And that's when I realized I was in a sweatshop because I had to leave about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And they said, well, where are you going, Mark? And he said, you need to be at your desk and, and, and putting in more entries. And I said, I wanted to take some time to cook the fish for the fish fry. And ironically, the boss man was attending that. And, I, and, and he had no idea that it's like, I'm the one that's cooking your dinner tonight, buddy. And, and, and but... But, but, but there it goes to show you, and, and that's when you realize that you, you, your life's out of balance and, and, and there's something not right about it. When you want to do something for God and you're like change, you're, you know, there's an obstacle there uh, to want to do that. And when you do it, it, it felt so good to do it. It, it, it was a wonderful experience, yeah. but it took that, uh, you, you know, unfortunately I have that fear every time I go to do something. It's, oh, well, you know. I'm, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm breaking out of my pattern of, 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 of behavior to do that. And it was a lot of fun. So, um, and, and, you know, Keith, you talked about the fathers of the apostles and that's what I was writing down because I'm always looking for ways to remember the apostles, you, you, you know, so, you know, you have the sets of brothers and then they said, James, the lesser, he was the son of Alpheus. And, uh, that in, in that could have been um, uh, Matthew could have been his brother because they think Matthew's father was Alphaeus also, and then Thaddeus was the son of James. Now I don't know if that James is the James they talk about in, in the, as being one of the apostles. But I, I guess my question to you guys is, how do you distinguish? Do they distinguish the apostles from the disciples? Yeah. Well, the twelve apostles were they're the ones that you, you know you you asked me to try and name and you're and you're naming them and I can't name all twelve apostles. Uh, I, I have a neat story once you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the <laughs> disciples are everyone else who follows. You know, the because yeah, it's it's kind of like I guess a hierarchy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the way I I it was kind of. Uh, yeah, the twelve apostles were the one you know the ultimate. Um, Confirmation of their status. Well, not. I don't mean to say it that way, but the uh, their their role in the life of Jesus and vice versa was being at the Last Supper, and then even even the Blessed Virgin Mary was not in attendance there. And of course, that's the that's the justification for uh, in terms of the clergy, in terms of only having uh, male clergy, because Christ, in the form of a male, was crucified. And then priests and apostles, priests and are in persona Christi. And so the the that's the that's one of the reasons why the Catholic Church um, advocates that um, they can't support um, the ordination of a woman as a full fledged uh, priest, because at the institution of the Mass and the most the institution of the Eucharist. Only Jesus and the twelve apostles, including Judas, who then committed suicide and then was replaced by another, I guess, a disciple who was viewed to be, you know, um, in good standing and could become the twelfth apostle. And in fact, that there were twelve is a reference or a tie-in to the twelve tribes of uh, Israel. Mm -hmm. So those are all those numbers are important, and those type of uh, interconnections are uh, important. And I'm beginning to see an age thing here too, because they appear to be younger. Because as they, as we had heard, Jesus has started his ministry at 30, was crucified at 33 in those ages. And uh, you know, when I I know when I first looked at the apostles and things, to me they looked like the elders of the church. They had the heavy beards, and they were you know larger than life, and. I, I, but but I think in reading when they said when it came to paying taxes, Peter and Jesus were the only two that had to pay the taxes that paid the taxes, and I don't I didn't know what that meant that if the other ones were younger I didn't know what the actual I, mean, I don't think I don't there's a there's a story of Jesus and Peter paying 
taxes, but there's not there's nothing that says that other people didn't. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, because that, that that was okay. So that was that was it. Then it's not that they didn't, but that was the story where they used that he had to pay the taxes, and that's where they found the coin in the mouth to, to do that. You just want to talk about fish again. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. all it, it, it's, it's all related <laughs> with the fish. Well, John was only John the evangelist was only um, you know he was probably when he was called he was maybe eighteen, which would have left him to be twenty one at the time of the crucifixion. Okay. And I think Peter was, uh, who had, legend has it, had young adults, you know, had teenagers and sons in their early 20s. He was up in his mid-40s. Oh, okay. So maybe, you know, there was an age range of, uh, of I'm going to say like 18 up to uh, early to mid-40s of the apostles. But there's no specific reference to... Uh, the exact ages, and that's not—it's not really important. That's just—it's you know, Jesus and God are out of time and out of out of space, so it's not really that important that um, what the actual ages were, and you know, the salvation history just so happened to take place in the Middle East, so naturally the people were Aramaic, and that's mm -hmm. not to do you know to uh, be disrespectful to uh, to others. And ultimately, the Christian faith became the universal faith, so it's it's available, and you know Jesus, God, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit want that faith to be the faith of everybody on the on the face of the earth. But obviously, it's a work in progress, and um, that's a that's a thing that takes place. Uh, you know, some are exposed to it, some are not. I guess those who are exposed to it, though, there's a lot of responsibility to uh, follow the teachings and to live a life that. Follow, you know, live a life that's good and Christ-like. And, and they they did say that the disciples were a bit younger too. They they, man, they were, many of the disciples were teenagers. They said. So yeah, I don't was, know where you're getting this information from. That was from the Wikipedia because I was yeah, looking. Okay, don't trust Wikipedia. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that doesn't sound right. That's where people can, I believe, type in what they want. Okay. If yeah. it's not like doctrine, I guess. We'll, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, the gospel, there it is right there. There's the, <laughs> That's true. This is true, yeah. <laughs> so when I look this up, because I'm trying well, to... Check the sources. Yeah, on just that. be careful of the source, yeah. that's all. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just one quick thing, because uh, let's go by these. Maybe this would help. Um, I didn't really know until I just read this. Apostle. An apostle is a messenger and ambassador. Someone who champions a critical reform movement, which, of course, at that time, and just like now, is Christianity... Uh, belief or cause. Disciple. A disciple is a follower and student of a mentor, teacher, or any otherwise person. Someone who accepts and helps in spreading the teachings of another, or simply put, one who learns any art or science. I mean, it's, that, that might help like with maybe further discussion down the road with apostle versus disciple. I never really looked up until now. They all were followers of Christ. But it's like the disciples were more or less like helpers. Like St. Mark was a disciple who helped Peter in, in uh, uh, Paul. One uh, quick story I mentioned earlier about the apostles. Uh, you know how in life we sometimes just remember things and we'll never forget those? And it could be like years ago. One thing for me... This was fourth grade, I kid you not. I went to Catholic school first grade through... Uh, sophomore year in high school, but in fourth grade, we had a substitute teacher, don't know who she was, but the only thing she focused on were the names of the apostles, that's all I remember, and so I'll throw this out there because this is being recorded, and I'll never forget them to this day because of that person who was in there for our regular teacher in fourth grade, Peter, Andrew, James and John, Philip Bartholomew, Matthew Thomas, James the Less, and his brother Jude, Simon and the traitor, Judas. That's fourth grade. How old are you in fourth grade? I, I don't even know. Um, pretty young. But I'm 54 now, and it, I will never forget that jingle. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the Less, and his brother Jude, Simon and the traitor, Judas. So those are the 12 apostles. But the first two are brothers, and the next two are brothers. Peter, Andrew, and then James, John. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why and she... And the other eight were individuals... I no guess, I don't, <laughs> I just don't know, John, I could guess. You, could you say that jingle again and slow it down? Peter, Peter. Andrew, right. 
James John, mm -hmm. Philip Bartholomew, Matthew Thomas, James the Less and his brother Jude, Simon and the traitor Judas. That's just how I remember it. So, so in other words, there was a Simon Peter and then just regular Simon individual. Well, Simon, Simon is, I think, was renamed Peter. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think uh, Bartholomew is in one of the Gospels called Nathaniel or something okay. like that. So, but but uh, so but it's the same person. Okay. <laughs> and, and the one they referred to as Jude, you say he's the brother of. Well. See that that, that that that's where I James and Jude, I guess, are brothers according to her little jingle. Yeah, but see, they'd say that he's the, he could be the son of James because James the Lesser was the son of Alpheus. So I don't I don't know, but, but see, there's Jude, but that his, that proper name is Thaddeus. Yes, Thaddeus, but that's a good jingle. <laughs> yeah. So even the, in the hierarchy, Jesus and then the twelve apostles. I mean, they all had the twelve apostles all had mixed lives. They all. You know, the, the 12 abandoned, Jesus, Judas committed suicide, and then 10 abandoned Jesus and did not return to the foot of the cross. John did ultimately, see from the painting from St. John's. But then you had someone like St. Tom, Thomas the Doubter, who he ended up in India, and he his martyrdom was being skinned alive. Uh, Legend has it. So that was, like in any ways, the worst. But then you have you have a section or sections of India where there are, you know, there are very many devout Catholics and devout Christians, and of course uh, you have Father Raja, and you have other Indian priests who probably come from that region and emigrated to this country, and so that's all the the origin of that faith is uh, you know Saint Thomas, and I know that just as another example Saint Bartholomew has great meaning to Italian Americans and Italians in general, you know usually a, t a priest uh, pr parish is very much Italian in origin. Uh, that ties into St. Bartholomew, so he has a big tie into uh, regions of, uh, you know, re certain region of Italy, you know, so there are different, um, and I'm, I'm not sure who it is, but, you know, the apostle who went to southern Egypt or Egypt to, to found the Coptic Christians, I mean, though that's a very, very devout group of people who have been subject to great persecution recently as a result of the, the Arab Spring, you know, those terrible bombings that took place. And then up in Kurdistan, up uh, in uh, that portion of Iraq, which is very Christian, also another apostle was involved in there. I'm not sure of the exact circumstance. It's in it's in the book somewhere. But in any event, we're up near yeah near the end. Yeah. So uh, I guess I was gonna wrap it up here. Just in, in wrapping it up, I was gonna say uh, and include in this prayer that uh, uh, Heavenly Father, please uh, make us. Uh, uh, strengthen us as disciples of Jesus so that um, you know, we become uh, fishers of men uh, through the way we live our lives. Amen. 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 And uh, we'll just uh, say in Our Father, and that'll be the end. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Thanks so much, guys. Well,